When I was 12 years old, uh, my grandmother died. And my grandmother had been a very influential person in my life. For four years, I was the only grandchild, and I think that that secured my place as her favorite. Uh, My cousins would probably argue uh, with me on that. But the weekend before she died, uh, we had been at Thanksgiving dinner, and we got the phone call that we needed to uh, come, that it was time for us to come. And so we did. We drove all night from Houston to Lubbock and got there, and my parents uh, dropped me and my sister off at my other grandparents' house where we would stay uh, through the weekend. And I was inconsolable. I really had no idea um, what was happening and that it wouldn't let me see her. And I was uh, beside myself. I'm sure it was uh, pretty pitiful uh, to watch me uh, really just isolate myself and be inconsolable. And, and finally, my other grandfather in his um, wisdom and in his um, kind of no-nonsense gentle way, uh, pulled me aside and and wrapped his arms around me, and he said, now listen, sometimes things don't go the way we want them to go, but that doesn't mean that God is absent. And he said, sometimes things are bad, but that doesn't mean that God is not good. It didn't ease my pain in that moment, but what I understood later was This man I had watched, this pillar of strength, who was good friends with my other grandparents, he was hurting too. He saw an opportunity to share with me his faith and his belief, and he had taken it upon himself to do that, even in the midst of my pain, to acknowledge my pain and acknowledge the situation, but to speak truth into that place. In that moment, this this man of strength whose belief I had witnessed for my whole life, in that tender moment, I experienced what his faith meant to him. And I've never forgotten. Surely, uh, throughout the rest of my life, other people have had similar impact on me, Uh, mentors in the faith who've shared the stories of Jesus with me, who have shown me what it means in very personal ways to follow Jesus. I've been able to witness that for them. And I know very well that I wouldn't be where I am without the people who have shared their faith with me, who have told me those stories. And uh, for good, good and bad, how to navigate this world and this life as a, as a follower of Jesus um, in, in who we have hope and, and love and peace, who, in whom is our salvation. People led the way for me. I know that full well. And I wonder... I wonder who has shared their faith with you. Maybe when you were a child or a teenager or an adult or even now, who who shares faith with you? Who is it that led you to know Jesus by not necessarily reading Scripture to you or quoting platitudes to you, but, but living a life of faith that they shared with you? Someone who has reminded you who and whose you are and who God is. I wonder who those people are. For you. It's important for us to remember. Let us pray. Loving God, I pray that uh, you would bless your word for us tonight, that it would uh, take hold of us, that our hearts and our minds would be open to being transformed and renewed by your word. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our Redeemer. Amen.
This weekend, we're wrapping up our series on Moses. Again, we've been using this book by Adam Hamilton, Moses and the Footsteps of the Reluctant Prophet. It's a really um, nice, easy read with lots of historical and geographical information, and I recommend it to you if you want, um, if you want more. But the story of Moses is the story of the Exodus, the story of deliverance, the story of the Hebrew people being set free from the slavery that they had endured for many years uh, under Pharaoh's rule. But it's not just a story, it's our story. Especially as Paul was saying, as we move into the events of Holy Week, as, as we more than maybe any other week of the year recognize and acknowledge Jesus' life and ministry and death and resurrection and how it is in Christ that we are set free. Our own story of deliverance is found in Christ, God with us and what Christ was willing to do for us, that we are no longer slaves to sin and death. Sin and death no longer have any power over us. We're no longer slaves to fear. We are beloved children of God. We have been set free as Israelites were set free, and we are empowered to live as ones who are called by God called to share God's love, to tell the stories of Jesus, to remember who and whose we are, to remember who God is, and to remember that there is a purpose for all of us in being God's people. We know that we aren't the first of God's people, right? We know that that we come from a long line of people who have been chosen by God, who have belonged to God. When God calls Moses, you may remember in that story, God reminds him, I I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I'm the God who made this covenant with Abraham that I I was going to bless him, that I was going to be his God and he and the people would be my people, that I was going to give him land and descendants as numerous as the stars. I was going to bless him to be a blessing. That's who I am. That's, that's who shows up to Moses. It didn't begin with Moses. It began even long before that. Remembering that, that people lead the way for us. That even before Moses, there were others that God had used. And, and now God uses Moses to reclaim and restore these people, the people of the covenant, to set them free for the life that God intends for them. It's set them free, not just to be set free, but set them free for a purpose. We always talk to our confirmands about uh, what does it mean that Jesus is your Savior, and they're like, well, he, he saves me from my sins. They all know that textbook answer, and most of them give it to us very well. But we always push a little bit more. It's not just that we're saved from sin. It's not just that we're saved from the power of sin and death, but we're saved for life. We're saved for a purpose. And these people that Moses has led out of slavery in Egypt and has led them through the wilderness and is getting them to the promised land, they they have a purpose. Remember, they've been chosen to be a holy nation, to be priests, to be a priesthood, so that God's love is made known where they are. That's who we are as well. We started, just um, so you uh, remember, perhaps. Let's see. There it is. We started with uh, the Hebrew people up here, slaves in this uh, part of Egypt, right? Moses is born into the 
family here. He's a Hebrew born at a time when Pharaoh is terrified of the Hebrew people and has ordered that all the Hebrew babies, the baby boys, be killed. But uh, by God's grace, Moses is spared and spared for a purpose. Uh, Moses then, around this area, is, is, kills an Egyptian taskmaster, and other people witness that. And Moses has to flee and lives some time here, a whole 40 years, a whole um, for a generation of time here in the Sinai Desert. It's where he marries Zipporah, Jethro's daughter, and becomes a shepherd. He wanders in this area for 40 years and then encounters God in the burning bush. God says, I'm sending you back to help my people become free, to free them from Pharaoh. So then they spend time here also at, around Mount Sinai. I remember getting the Ten Commandments and learning, they're learning how to be a community. They've been slaves. They don't know what it means to be free. They don't know what it means to be a community that cares for one another. And so they spend that time here and then slowly begin to make their way up to where the promised land is. Uh, they camp out here at Kadesh Barnea for uh, a long time. They've had one opportunity to enter into the promised land, you may remember, and, and um, they sent some spies to scope out the land. And the spies came back, and all of them except Caleb said, we can't do it. There are giants in that land. And they were terrified. So they spend another uh, generation in the wilderness. God basically says, I'm not going to let this generation into the promised land, but I will let the generations after, after that. So they find themselves there, um, and now it's time. The generation has passed. The, the people who are now part of the Israelites, part of the Hebrew people, uh, none of them were ones who experienced the delivery deliverance from sin, from slavery themselves. Their children and grandchildren who have relied on the stories that their parents and grandparents told them about what God had done. And all along, along the way, Moses is reminding the people at every turn, this is who you are. This is uh, the God to whom you belong. This is what God has done. I want to remind you what God has done, that God has delivered us, that God has provided for us, that God is leading us. All along the way, Moses has reminded them. And Moses is worried as he gets to the end of his life that they will forget. That they won't remember where they've been and what has happened to them. That they'll forget when they get to the promised land that there's a purpose for them being in that space most of our texts today come out of Deuteronomy, uh, which uh, is literally means second law. It's not a second law. It is really a summation and a telling of the law and of the, the becoming of the nation of Israel. And, uh, but it's very readable, and it's uh, a favorite among many Old Testament scholars. Uh, so if you uh, have your Bible or your app and you want to follow along, we're going to be mostly in Deuteronomy today. But this is what uh, Moses um, said, when you have eaten your fill and have built fine houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks have multiplied and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then do not exalt yourself, forgetting the Lord your God. When you see Lord in all caps, that is Yahweh, I am, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Do not say to yourself, my power and the might of my own hand have gotten me this wealth. But remember the Lord your God, 
For it is he who gives you power to get wealth, so that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your ancestors, as he is doing today. Let me just say, that's not a prosperity gospel promotion there. I want you to remind you that, that um, part of their relationship in that time and around that area was that when people were obedient to God, they experienced God's blessings. Right? That was part of the mindset of that time. Their being able to uh, get wealth wasn't for their own well-being. Remember, they are blessed to be a blessing. And so Moses is saying to them, when you get to this place and when it is that land of milk and honey and when all is going well, don't forget how you got here. Don't forget that once you, your people, were slaves in Egypt and God delivered you. Don't forget. Remember who you are. And remember who God is. In Deuteronomy, at least 15 times, Moses talks to them about remembering, remembering. Don't forget. I wonder how often we forget. I wonder how often in our day-to-day lives we simply forget. Old Testament scholar uh, Walter Brueggemann um, identifies, and we've talked about this some with different language, uh, kind of seasons or cycles that the Israelites would go through in their relationship with God. And uh, the truth is, these, uh, this cycle resonates probably with most of us as well. You start with orientation. You start with knowing who you are. Uh, orientation is when you're at a place and all is going as it should, all is well. Life is good and um, things are happening easily and uh, you feel like God is blessing you, right? And, and it's easy to slip into that pattern of forgetting, forgetting who God is and forgetting that it's not by your own power that you've done anything, right? So being oriented in that, that place uh, where, where we sometimes forget God, and rely on ourself. And, and often that then leads to a period of disorientation. When something happens in our lives, and there can be a variety of things that happen that create a sense of disorientation to us. It can be uh, an illness or an accident or the loss uh, of a job or a death in your family or um, some news you weren't expecting. Anything can kind of throw us into this state of uh, not knowing who we are. And in part, we've gone along so well that as we've forgotten God, when we get to these places where we most need God, sometimes it's a struggle to get back to that knowing and that believing and that remembering. And we experience pain and anxiety and fear. Right When the Israelites did not do what God was asking them to do, when they made poor choices, when they wandered off, when they uh, lived outside of the boundaries that God was trying to set for them, they experienced pain and suffering. And in the stories of the Old Testament, they, what they experienced, one of the ways they experienced that is that their enemies kind of began to gain the upper hand. And all of a sudden, they were, uh, they were the, um, the underdogs wherever they went. And in those moments is when we often see Israel crying out to God in confession, in in, in penitence, in pleading for God to have mercy, a a sense of recognition that, oh, yeah, I'm the one that's wandered off. God hasn't wandered off. I've wandered off. And they cry out to God, and God, who is rich in mercy, hears them, 
rescues them, heals them, forgives them, and restores them, reorienting them to who they are and to who he is. This is probably for many of us a cycle that we live in, maybe over different periods of time. But it's part of what it means to be human and to be followers of Christ, that in our humanity we forget. In our humanity, our ego drives a lot of what we do. In our humanity, fear often motivates us to act or not act. And God says, remember who I am. Remember who you are. Remember what I've done for you. And reorients us back into that life of God. In the midst of that cycle for the Israelite people, one command of God rises uh, to the top. This is in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. This is known as the Shema, and uh, Shema literally means to hear, to listen, or to hear and do. Faithful Jewish people will have these verses written, and they put them in a mezuzah that looks like this. I know this is tiny. You're welcome to look at it afterwards, but it goes near the doorposts of their home. So the words of God are in in this um, mezuzah, and they uh, literally touch it and remember when they leave and when they come home. As a way of every time they leave where they are, they remember who they are and who God is. And when they come back, they remember who they are and who God is. I wonder what it would look like for us if this was how we started our day and ended our day. What would it look like if, if you started your day remembering who God is and loving God with all your heart, re, maybe recommitting to loving God with all your heart and your soul and your might? And what if you ended your day that way? We are familiar with this uh, because Jesus takes this as the greatest commandment. He pulls over um, a verse out of Leviticus 2 and and adds that we shall love our neighbor as ourself. Leviticus is also part of the, the law and part of what they understood their task to be. Jesus understands that this is the greatest commandment, but it's not just about our relationship with God. It's also about our relationship with one another. But the thing is, if this love of God with all that we are and have and love of one another, if we could allow that to seep into every cell of our being, then we would live in love. If we could do that, then uh, we would stay oriented to who we are and to who God is. It's not enough just for us as individuals to remember, though. We're responsible for passing on the story to the next generations. Someone shared the stories with us. It can't stop with us. We're responsible for passing the stories on to the next generation. Later in Deuteronomy, you shall put these words of mine in your heart and your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your ancestors to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. 
forever and ever and ever, we are to be telling these stories, sharing our faith throughout each day in what we do and what we say and how we treat other people and helping our children and helping those who are looking to us as mentors, helping them know why we're choosing to do things a certain way, right? Why, why do I choose to pick up trash that I see on the ground? Why do I choose to reach out to a stranger and acknowledge them or ask their name? Our children and others around us will certainly observe that, but it's important for them to know why we're doing that, that the, there's something within us we, we call the Holy Spirit that moves us to love and that love looks a lot like serving one another. This is what my grandfather was doing that day and, and all the time that I spent with him. This is what my grandmothers did as they would let us take us to church with them. We always went to church with them, and uh, one grandmother played the piano for worship, and when we were at her house, we were always singing and learning hymns. Um, another grandmother, uh, when we went to their church, she would let me go with her to her Sunday school class instead of making me go to ki- with kids my own age. And there was something so unique and special that I felt like she honored me that I could come and be with her and her classmates and learn about God, learn about Jesus. It's what they did uh, anytime they let me observe the choices that they were making. It's what my, my parents did in making sure we went to church and were part of the community of faith. It's what mentors for me do even now as they pray for me and pray over me and speak truth into my life. We didn't get where we are on our own. And there are people coming up behind us who need to know how to get where God wants them to be. They need to know the stories. They need to know God's love. As we remember and give thanks for those who have led us, let us not forget those whom we are called to lead. So the Israelites have been set free from slavery. They've been led to the promised land, and Moses all along the way has been reminding them of these stories, of who they are, and of what God has done. And some of his last words to them, this is what he says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Right? Choose life. We get to participate in this. Choose life. Choose the freedom that God has provided for you. Choose the ways that God sets out for you. Choose to love God with all that you are and have. Choose the relationship with God in which you have already been chosen. Choose life so that you may live. This is from the top of Mount Nebo where it's kind of a blurry in there. It looks better in the book. Adam Hamilton actually went and um, has video and pictures of these areas. But from the top of Mount Nebo looking into the Holy Land, being able to see, it talks about Moses being able to see into the promised land, even though he was not able to go into the promised land. 
And what we know is that he saw so much more than the actual land. You can't see all of the Holy Land from here. But in Moses' mind, he understood the vision that God had given to him of what the promised land looks like. A spiritual land, an ideal, a place where where God's will is done, a place where uh, really it is like heaven on earth, where people uh, live by God's commands. It, It is a return to the paradise where human beings didn't kill one another or hurt one another, where people actually love their neighbors And where justice and mercy reign, this is part of what we long for as we wait for Christ to return. But the promised land is less about actual land and more about love. More about the love that God has for God's people, God's steadfast and faithful love. God's abiding love that allowed God to dwell among the people Right? And the, the tent of meeting and the, the tabernacle, that, that God was with the people, that God is with us in Christ, that God came to us to be with us. That love, the, the love of God that is merciful in setting us free and forgiving us, the love of God that is redeeming and the love of God that is sustaining in the way that we know God's love in the Holy Spirit. And as we know that love and live into that love and out of that love, loving as Jesus loves us, then the promised land really becomes among us, becomes a reality in which we live. And in that space, we cannot and we will not forget who and whose we are. We won't forget where we've come from and what God has done to deliver us, to save us, because we're grounded in that space not of land, but of love. And we willingly and joyfully pass it on, knowing that it didn't start with us. And thank goodness, it's not going to end with us either. So as you remember, I wonder how you also will pass it on. Let us pray. Lord, it's so easy for us to forget your love for us. It's so easy for us to forget your presence with us. Sometimes we're not really even aware of how forgetful we are. But it comes out in our words, in our fear, in our anxiety, in the choices that we make. And so we pray today that as we move into Holy Week, as we've already shouted Hosanna, as we've already cried out for you to save us, that we would understand that in your love you already have. In your love you remind us who we are and whose we are, that we belong to you. And you remind us who you are and what you have done and what you are doing. Reorient us in that love so that we can see more clearly the promised land among us and within us and give us courage to live out our faith in such a way that in our words and our actions, we are passing it on to the generations that are coming after us and praying that they will live even more fully into it than we do. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.